Um, today's video is titled Little God's Theology or the Spirit of the Antichrist. And I'm actually going to be showing you five or six clips uh, from some very famous um, charismatic and prosperity gospel preachers. You have Jesse Duplantis, Stephen Furtick, Benny Hinn, who does a lot of false miracles, uh, and Kenneth Copeland, which is one of the strangest people I've ever uh, witnessed. <laughs> and so uh, most of these men are sort of known false teachers. Um, we don't need to code and, and categorize every single one. They all teach Little God's Theology, which I'm going to explain to you here in a second. Uh, basically that we are becoming God, essentially, that, that we are gods. And some of them even say they're equal with Jesus. You're going to see that. Um, very, very false teaching. Um, and I really want to explain how this little God's theology, it really mirrors the spirit of the Antichrist. And so I want to keep the video organized, uh, but I want to show you guys a lot of clips today. I think that's going to be very edifying for you. And, and as always, a lot of scripture. I want to get into the first clip right away, and then I'm going to break it down with some scripture. What is little God's theology? Well, Benny Hinn, there's an old video of him uh, where he actually sort of explains it by twisting Psalm 82. So I'm going to play this video and then just break down Psalm 82 for you really quick. Who you are, turn to Psalm 82. This is going to blow your mind real good. Psalm 82, 1. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. That's you. He judgeth among the what? Now would you please listen to me? This is talking about you. He's telling the gods. Who are the gods? You are. See, I never heard that. Let me ask you this. Hello, you. Are you God's offspring? Then you're not human. So this God-like person inside of Benny Hinn right here has nothing to do with flesh and blood. He's a part of God. He's a little God walking in a, in a little body saying in Jesus' name, God came from heaven, became a man made man into little gods, went back to heaven as man. He faces the Father as a man. I face devils as the Son of God. Jesus said, go in my name, go in my stead. Don't say I have, say I am, I am, I am, I am, I am. Say after me, within me is a God-man. Say it again. And so it is, it is very sad to watch people caught up in this. We're going to really break down this theology. Yes, when you're born again, you're given a new nature. The Spirit of God dwells in you, but that doesn't make you God. And I am is God's covenant name. He is the eternally existent one. That is to say, he exists if nothing else exists. He is all existence. He just is and always has been. He doesn't change. He is the rock of ages. Humans are not that. And we're never going to be that. We're not like growing up like Mormons would say to where we're going to be gods and like have our own creations. Like that's not what scripture teaches. Now, I want to go to Psalm 82, and I don't want to do a full exposition of this, but this is unfortunately what false teaching does. It takes a few scriptures, and it just twists and contorts it and builds an entire theology on it. And they have a couple other scriptures other than this, uh, but this is the, the most common one. And so it starts with God takes his stand in his own congregation. He judges in the midst of the rulers. You see, some translation have rulers, some have gods. I think gods is the right translation. However, 
the interpretation of that, yes, it could be amongst humans. It could also be amongst angels. Like in the book of Job, you know, amongst the sons of God, the angels it was talking about, he could actually be talking to fallen demonic angels here. Regardless of who he's talking to, this is the sad part. If you look at the scriptures that false teachers quote, it's as if on judgment day, those scriptures will damn them. Because even if God's calling, God is calling humans little gods here, he's doing it uh, essentially in sarcasm. Because he's, this psalm is a psalm of condemnation, the whole thing. It's a very short psalm. You can read it for yourself. If He's certainly not commending us and saying, wow, you guys are little gods. No, the whole psalm, he's condemning whoever he's speaking to. Look what it says. He says, how long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? He then goes on to say, same psalm. They do not know, nor do they understand. They walk about in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are shaken. He says, I said you're gods, and all of you are sons of the Most High. Nevertheless, look at this condemnation. You will die like men and fall like any one of the princes. And so when I read that God is saying, you're going to die like men, I take the, the interpretation that he's speaking to fallen angels, which we know from Daniel 10, like the, the prince or ruler of of, uh, you know, Babylon or, or of Iran, right, uh, of these certain countries that there are fallen angels that have control. There's a hierarchy of holy angels over the holy nation of Israel and fallen nation, uh, fallen angels, you know, uh, uh, under fallen nations. There's a hierarchy even now in the spiritual realm to how God orders his creation, right? How he sovereignly disposes his authority. And so I take the interpretation that just like in Ezekiel, God is saying here, you know, I said, you're sons of God, you're, you're made in my image, you're, you're high angelic creatures, but you're going to die like men, right? Like you've rebelled, you're showing partiality to the wicked, regardless of if I'm right in that interpretation or not. Psalm 82 is all about condemning the group they're speaking to, not praising them and saying they're, they're coming, you know, like God. So it's a very, very silly doctrine based off of very twisted scripture. Um, and it leads to just some very blasphemous teaching. I'm going to bring up a quick uh, clip from Kenneth Copeland. And then I want to now explain the spirit of Antichrist, which we're told is already in the world thousands of years ago. So it must still be in the world today. Say this with all respect, so that it don't upset you too bad. But I say it anyway. When I read in the Bible where he says, I am, I just smile and say, yes, I am too. It is so sad. I mean, you have entire, these people have hundreds of millions. Kenneth Copeland may have a billion. He's claimed to have a billion dollars, but he has several private jets. Everybody I'm pulling up are people that have made tens or hundreds of millions or have a lot of money, a lot of sway, a lot of people following them. And it's very sad that no one is aware of how false and, and potentially damning this teaching is. First John chapter four tells us about the spirit of the Antichrist. Okay, it says every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. So you have to understand if I'm saying you're going to see this here, if I'm saying that I'm equal with Jesus, I'm basically removing Jesus. I'm taking away all Jesus's promises, 
all his authority, the fact that he's the only great high priest and mediator between God and man. And I'm basically saying like, yeah, Jesus died and now I'm equal with Jesus. I'm God. Uh, so I really don't need Jesus. I can do everything Jesus did, right? I can, I can do miracles. I can do this. I can do that. All this stuff comes out of this line of thinking. Uh, a very common line of thinking is I'm now sinless, right? Because I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm basically as good as Jesus. Now that I'm born again, I am sinless. I'm going to bring up some scriptures to combat that in a minute. But the spirit of Antichrist does not confess that Jesus came in the flesh. That is to say that Jesus was the son of God from all eternity, not a part of God. Jesus is the creator, right? So Jesus, when he was born 2,000 years ago, he came in the flesh. He took on flesh. God does not change. But when Jesus was born, he became fully man and fully God. So he retained his deity, and yet at the same time, he was truly a man. This is miraculous. And when you affirm this, you realize that Jesus and Jesus alone is the creator and the only savior. Therefore, no one else can be equal to Jesus. Nobody else can be Jesus, which, you know, the Antichrist will come one day, you know, claiming to be Jesus. Like, none of that works. Only Jesus. He is totally separate, right? And so Second uh, Thessalonians talks about the Antichrist a little bit more. And Paul says in the New Testament, let no one deceive you by any means. That day, the day of the Lord, our gathering together to him, he says, will not come unless the falling away comes first. So there's going to be an apostasy from true Christianity. It's very sad from the true scripture. It's, I'm not talking about an apostasy from a denomination. There's going to be a turning away, a wholesale mass rebellion against the true God of scripture, against Jesus Christ. That will come first. Then the man of sin will be revealed. That is the Antichrist. He's the son of destruction. He opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worship. So he will sit as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. And it's very straightforward. If you go all the way back to Isaiah, this is the rebellion the devil corrupted us with. The devil originally, before man fell, the devil fell with a third of his angels. And in Isaiah 14, you can see his five I will statements. And one of them is, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. And then later on in the garden, he brings along humanity into this. He says, you will be like God knowing good and evil. He corrupts mankind through that lie. Little God's theology is just the perpetuation of that original rebellion of Satan before man and the original lie in the garden that we're going to be like God uh, in omniscience, in power, in eternality, in create the ability to create, in all these things. And it's, it's deep down, it's just so clearly blasphemous, but you have to study yourself uh, to show yourself approved. And so I'm going to show you this next video. And, and when it comes to the spirit of Antichrist, it's kind of easy to look at the Bible. The Antichrist, he's like the fulfillment of this lie. It's like mankind continues in this lie and continues in this lie. Well, at a certain point, the patience of God runs out and the restrainer is removed and a delusion comes upon mankind. And they're really going to believe the Antichrist is Jesus, is God, because they've rejected the true Messiah. They've rejected Jesus Christ. And so that's why all true evangelists, we want to point you towards the true Christ. And so now I'm going to play another video. 
the way you think. Let this mind be in you, which was also in the anointed Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. And you do not think it robbery. You don't, it, it's not taking anything away from God right. to be equal with our Father, to be equal with our Lord Jesus. He's the one that caused it to happen. And our good God said, oh yeah, they're my children. Of course they're equal to me. I gave It's so sad. He says, I gave birth to them. They're equal to me. There he says, we're not only equal with Jesus, we're equal with the Father, which just goes to show you, he just doesn't understand Scripture. He doesn't understand the Trinity. He doesn't understand the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And he doesn't understand who Jesus really is. Jesus said, there's nobody greater than John the Baptist born amongst women. And look at his attitude towards his Savior. He who comes after me, I'm not worthy to untie his sandal. This is the attitude of a humble saint that understands he's a wretched sinner. Christ had to die for him or there was no other way. He is so far the opposite of equal with God. It's not even funny. And so when we're talking about Jesus, yes, if you're born again, praise God. You get to be a child of God. You're adopted into his family. You are a son and daughter of the Most High. However, Jesus is the only begotten son. This is the most famous verse, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You see, it, it, it is really uh, damning to these false teachings that the most famous verse in all of Christendom just obliterates them. Jesus is the only begotten son. That, that's it. You have to believe that Jesus of Nazareth is the eternal son of God, okay? And that's where these teachings uh, are unfortunately very, very deceitful. First uh, Timothy chapter four says the spirit explicitly says that in the latter times, some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. It is a very um, evil, demonic doctrine for me to tell people that or anyone to tell people you're whether you're saved or unsaved. Uh, not that they ever talk about genuine salvation or genuine repentance or atonement or anything truly valuable, but uh, you know, you know, in addition to that, it says that these teachings are spread, uh, their doctrines of demons spread by the means of hypocrisy. These are just hypocritical teachings. They don't make any sense. And it's because it says these teachers are seared in their own conscience as with a branding iron. Uh, it's as if when Esau sought repentance, but he couldn't find it, they just they don't care about the truth. It, they're beyond that. Um, I didn't bring it up in this video because I don't want to be divisive just for the point of being divisive. But Kenneth Copeland goes on to mock people that make fun of um, in a really weird voice. And I just decided to keep it out. Uh, he goes on to mock people that make fun of, the, you know, or try and discern the fact that we're not equal to God. Right. And so um, it, it is very sad, but we're definitely seeing just an uptick of that. 
um, as America and Europe, you know, really continue to to fall away. And so now I want to play another video. It's another sad one from Jesse Duplantis. This was just the other day uh, where he basically appropriates Isaiah 9, this gift God gives Jesus to the world. And he basically kind of makes it out like he's the gift God gave to the world. And so this is the strategy of the devil. It's not to remove Jesus completely. It's to get people to affirm the wrong Christ, right? And one day the Antichrist will be affirmed by the world, but he will be a false Jesus. And so I'm going to, I'm going to play it now. understand the book of Isaiah chapter nine. I want to read verse six for unto us, Isaiah 9, verse 6, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Yet the book of Ephesians, chapter 5, verse 1 says, Be ye therefore imitators of God as dear children. So when I look at Isaiah 9, 6, where is the government now? It's on us. The government of the world is on mankind. And because we're made in God's image and in God's likeness, you can call us wonderful. Yes. Counselor. Mighty God, Christ in us. The everlasting Father. Woo! The Prince of Peace. That's what it means to be the gift. And it's just so sad. Once again, I mean, you take Isaiah 9 is an amazing prophecy written 700 years before Jesus is born. Unto us a son is given. That son is Jesus Christ, the son of God. But also unto us a child is born. That's Jesus Christ, son of man, right? That's the deity of Jesus, fully man and fully God, written 700 years before he was born. And then he just takes one verse in Ephesians and says, well, we're supposed to imitate God. So I'm almighty God. I'm an eternal father. I'm wonderful. And it's sad. This is just false teachers telling people what their itching ears want to hear. You have to understand false teachers are a judgment from God. Their very congregation, uh, it's not as if they're all innocent. They want to hear that they're wonderful. They don't want to hear, like Revelation 3 says about the lukewarm church, that we're actually wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. And we need mercy from God and grace. Uh, and so they don't want to hear that. They want to hear that they're wonderful. They, they just want to hear that. So uh, a false teacher has come along who's making millions and millions of dollars because he will tell them that. And once again, I like to use their very own scriptures against them. They use Ephesians 5.1, imitate God, which makes sense. We want to be like God, want to be like Jesus. We want to love our neighbors of ourselves. We want to be uh, merciful and gracious. We want to be just and all these things. Uh, but we can't do it perfectly. We're not sinless, right? And so, but Ephesians 5, if you just read this in its context, look at what Ephesians 5 says, uh, verses 5 and 6. For this you know, no fornicator, unclean person, or covetous man covetous man, we're talking about the prosperity gospel here, who is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Then he says, let no one deceive you with empty words. You, you cannot walk in this stuff, guys. He says, because of these things, covetousness, uncleanness, impurity, non-repented of, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. 
And so they're always using that we're supposed to imitate God. We're created in the image of God. Genesis 1.27 says, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Yes, I affirm that. We are not like the animals. We know the difference between good and evil. We are of a higher created order. Okay, we, we are made in the image of God. And due to that, no matter how much we don't like someone or, or uh, disagree with someone, we can never be violent and mar that image of God. We must respect that image of God. But here's what you need to understand. We now live in a fallen world. Okay, when Adam had a child, the scripture specifically says he begot a son in his own likeness. Jesus said the flesh can only produce flesh. We are literally dead in our sins and trespasses. It says in Adam, all die. I mean, in Adam, all die. And so in Christ, all will be made alive. And only those in Christ are alive. And Jesus said, it's a narrow road and few walk on it. Ephesians 2 makes it clear. Us he made alive who were dead in our trespasses and sins. And so this is what the Bible says about non-believers. They have their understanding darkened. They can actually call themselves equal with the Father, equal with the Son. They're alienated from the life of God. Listen, it's very possible for a non-believer to call themselves equal with the Father. They have no idea how glorious he is. They have no idea how holy he is, how pure and perfect he is. And it's, it says it's because of the ignorance in them, because of the blindness of their heart. And only God can, can know a person's heart or change a person's heart. But he does that through the word and, and through, and through um, the spirit. And so 1 John 1 protects us from a lot of these false teachings. It says, if we say we have fellowship with him, with Jesus, with I'm sorry, with God, the Father, and we walk in darkness, we're actually lying. We don't practice the truth. It doesn't matter what we say. If you have a genuine born-again faith in Jesus Christ, it's going to change how you behave. You won't have a perfect obedience. You'll see that in a second. You will have a supernatural obedience. God grants you repentance. And so it says, if we walk in the light, Jesus said, walk in the light so that you might become children of light as he is in the light. We have fellowship with one another. Me and God have fellowship as I walk in the light of Jesus. It says, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And this is so scary. The truth is not in us. Many of these people that claim to be God also, or, or that we're going to become gods or preach little gods theology, like Joyce Meyer, she'll, she'll say uh, that, you know, she realized she wasn't a sinner anymore. She, she believes in sinless perfectionism. She's absolutely sinless right now. Whereas scripture so clearly teaches if we say we have no sin, or we say we're equal to God, the father who can't sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. And so I want to play uh, just a couple more clips, and then I want to move on to like where I think all this is leading, going back to the spirit of the Antichrist thing. So just hang on one second. I want to play one final video. And I cried out to God with one simple phrase, Jesus, come into my heart on the second day of November, 1962. <sighs> the scepter of righteousness was pointed at me and I became equal with Jesus. And so that's how he describes being born again. He prayed a prayer, the scepter of righteousness was pointed at him and he became 
equal with Jesus. It's just not true, guys. I want to try and explain, you know, eschatologically, the study of end times, where I believe scripture says this is going. Isaiah 46 says, God declares the end from the beginning, from ancient times, things which have not been done. Now, not only will there be an antichrist at the time of the end, but Matthew 24, Jesus said, many will come in my name. They will say, I'm equal with Jesus. I am Jesus. I am the Christ. I am the Messiah. And they will deceive many. And then, you know, he says, if anyone says to you, look, here's the Messiah or there, don't believe it. For false Christs, false messiahs, and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive. If possible, even the chosen, even the elect. And then this verse is so important here. See, I have told you beforehand. Jesus is saying to his true followers, look, I've told you beforehand, not only is there going to be an antichrist, a world leading false messiah that everyone's sort of going to, but there's going to be many false Christs and many false prophets. And this is, I mean, I want you to just to open up your eyes. It's so sad. These people right now who are claiming we're growing up to be gods or God himself, or we're equal with the father, they have billions to hundreds of millions of dollars. They have millions of followers. They're really taking over the greater evangelical uh, landscape in the West as we turn away, right? Well, right now they really don't have uh, any ability to do great signs and wonders. Kenneth Copeland has been caught several times by Justin Peters' ministry. He's fantastic. I I recommend you check him out. Uh, Doing false miracles and going to heal people in a wheelchair, and then they they don't actually heal them. They just do something dramatic, and the person in a wheelchair just rolls away. And it's extremely sad, and they still have the vast majority of of followers and just a humongous following. Well, brothers and sisters, what about that day where they are able to do great signs and wonders? I want to bring you to a a younger uh, person, Stephen Furtick now, who preaches Little God's Theology, and he's much younger than everyone else I brought up. He has way more clout in the technological space, uh, you know, with my generation and people younger than that. And just imagine in the back of your mind, if all of a sudden, not only was he good looking, not only was he charismatic and, and uh, you know, able to speak um, and, 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 you know, still telling people what they want to hear, but imagine he was telling people what they want to hear. You could do whatever you want, worship whoever you want, and on top of that, he could do any miracle, let alone great signs and wonders. I mean, can you imagine how fast the world will follow these people? It's scary to imagine. Let me play it. I'm not in covenant with a person. I'm not in covenant with a political party. I'm in covenant with God Almighty. I am God Almighty. Get that off you. That's not your name. That's not your station. That's not your end. It's in me. It's in me. It's in me. It is God that worketh in you. And so there's another clip I didn't include where he's teaching little God theology. Once again, we're made in the image of God. So, you know, we are the I am, you know, we're just like him perfectly. Um, It's very, very sad. And I brought him up there because you just see kind of how big his church is, uh, you know, the following. It's, It's all like a big concert, right? It's meant to appeal to the senses instead of just scripture, right? And so 2 Thessalonians 2 is talking about the coming of the Antichrist. It says the coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan. But when he comes, it's after the rebellion, 
the restraining Holy Spirit effect or whatever the restrainer is, is lifted from the earth. So people are moving towards wickedness faster. You see, you got to understand the mercy of God. He's even in his mercy holding back non-believers from sinning as much as they would if he weren't restraining them. That's how merciful God is, even towards people that have want nothing to do with him. It says, the coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders. Miraculous, deceitful, powerful signs and wonders. It says, with unrighteous deception among those who perish. Because this is why they perish. This is so key. I want to do a clear gospel presentation. They did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. But for this reason, because they rejected the truth, God sends them a strong delusion. It is a judgment that they should believe the lie. And look, when we get towards the book of Revelation, it's very opening. You see where this is all heading one day. He, that is the second beast, the false prophet. There will be two very famous people in the end times. One will be the Antichrist, which the world knows, you know, much about right now. Uh, you know, most people will, will dig in and study those scriptures. And then there's another person, the false prophet. He, he will be the final and falsest prophet, I guess you could say. And it says he has two horns like a lamb. He, you know, comes off gentle, but he speaks like a dragon, the devil. And it says he performs great signs. So not only will the little Christ be doing, or, or I'm sorry, the false Christ and the false messiahs be doing all manner of miracles and signs to, to betray people, but the leaders of the world, you know, the, 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 the most powerful false prophet will perform great signs. He even makes fire come down from heaven. Can you imagine on the earth in the sight of men? He deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast, in the sight of the Antichrist. So they're working in cahoots together. And he tells those who dwell on the earth uh, to make an image to the beast, to the Antichrist, and they're going to worship it. And it says he was wounded by the sword and lived. Most theologians, most commentators would agree that the Antichrist, when he comes, not only are there going to be false miracles, not only is everyone going to be preaching in his name, not only is gonna, he, you know, he's going to be claiming to be Almighty God, most likely claiming to be Jesus, right? Uh, he's going to do a false resurrection, right? If he's claiming to be Christ, uh, several times it, it alludes to him dying and coming back to life, or at least being fatally wounded and then coming back um, you know, wounded by the sword and live. Now, I can't be dogmatic about that, but I believe that will be a big part of the deception. There's going to be so much deception at this time. It's, it's sad if you study it. And, and this is what's going to happen. It says in the Gospels in this verse as well, all who dwell on the earth will worship him, the Antichrist. This is going to be effective at the end of days. All these theologies where we're going to be gods and, and we're equal God, and, and just like the devil brought us in this corruption and it wants to be like the most high, right? It's just going to meet its head in the tribulation one day. It's going to be the final clearest fulfillment of it. It says, all who dwell on the earth will worship the Antichrist, whose names have not been written in the book of life. Those are the only people that won't worship the Antichrist. Written in the book of life of the Lamb, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, slain from the very foundation of the world, brothers, sisters, Jesus is our absolute and only hope. If you are not in the book of life of the true lamb, Jesus Christ, you will either die in your sins or one day 
worship the Antichrist. Jesus said, and this is our only hope, and it's strong consolation for Christians. He says, all that the Father gives to me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. Jesus says he gives his sheep eternal life and they never perish and no one snatches them out of his hands. And Jesus says, my father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one can snatch them out of my father's hands. And then this is key. I and my father are one. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He's the only mediator between God and man, uh, the God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Jesus is the creator. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God. The word was God. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's Jesus. And all things were created through the word. Jesus is the creator. This is the marvel of the gospel that God sent his own son. Yes, the father sent the son. However, God has died for man. The son of God has died for mankind. This is incredible. Jesus said, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. Some people labor in self-righteousness, trying to convince themselves they're good people, trying to earn their way to heaven. Others labor under sin. It is a heavy yoke of a cruel master, the devil. They labor to sin. Uh, they're burdened with it. They wish they could turn around, but they just can't. They love their sin too much, and so they labor to do it. Sin is a lot of work, and it only earns you one thing, the Bible says, wages storing up for the final day of wrath. Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest. But he also says, and he says this twice in Luke 13, unless you repent, unless you turn away, you will all likewise perish. Jesus says, many will say to me in that day, the day he comes back, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? We, we casted out demons in your name. We did many wonders in your name. But he will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. You cannot continue in sin. You cannot walk in sin or practice sin as a child of God. Just doing miracles, just being a great speaker, or even casting out demons, any works will not justify you before the Almighty. You have to go to him like the beggar and say, Lord, be, or the tax collector, excuse me, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. Isaiah 45, you know, when the Lord is speaking about his ability to tell the end from the beginning, he says, look to me and be saved, all you ends of the earth, for I am God. And this is key. There is no other. There is no other eternally existent God. No one is growing up to be God ever. There is a great glory coming for the children of God. We're going to be like Jesus. We're going to see him as he is. We're going to imitate him. and We're going to have different levels of that in heaven. And for all eternity, we're going to continue to study God and worship God. But we will absolutely never be God. We are the farthest thing from God. In me, Paul said, in my flesh dwells nothing good. We, we are so bad that God had to send his own son to die for us. And that needs to be your only hope, that God is merciful and loving, and he's offered you a way out, but you it's his way. You repent, you turn away from sin, and you believe in Jesus. I hope you guys enjoyed this video. Have a great day.